Welcome to Minimalish. I'm your host, Desiree, and this is a podcast about minimalism, sort of. It's a podcast about how living with less stuff and less distractions can help us focus on what's most important. So what you'll find here, of course, we will talk to cluttering and living with less, but we'll also talk about the important things in life and how to approach them intentionally. We'll approach topics of motherhood, home life, relationships, work, our health, and the important things in general that fill up our days. And what you won't find here, a perfectionist version of minimalism. I'm a mom, a full-time teacher, and a podcaster, and I've found the version of minimalism that you may find on Instagram or Pinterest to be unattainable. We aren't minimalism purists here. We're simply focused on living with less in a way that's realistic to us. It's a version of minimalism I personally like to call minimal-ish. The goal is not living with less for the sake of less here, or to make sure our homes make us look like a minimalist. The goal is living with less in a real way so that we can have more time and space and energy to focus on what matters most. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dive into this week's episode. Welcome back to Minimalish. I'm your host, Desiree. And right before I sat down to hit record on this intro, I noticed that the podcast had reached 2 million downloads. So I want to take a minute to celebrate that. I am just so honored that you listen in and I am so grateful that you continue to listen in or if you're new that and maybe you've listened into one episode and hit subscribe. I'm just so grateful for all of you who've ever listened to an episode, who hang out with me here weekly, who have shared the show, who have reviewed the show. This is just crazy to me that Minimalish could possibly have grown the way it has and I mean, it's, I've been in awe of it for four years now. It's almost been four years since I started this show. I'm just really honored that you're still here, that you've come with me through a lot of life changes, that you're still listening as I have shifted the way that I view minimalism, the way that I talk about it, the way that I think about it. It is just an honor to be here with you, to talk with you every week, to continue to have amazing guests on here, to share their perspectives. I would not continue to be here if you did not continue to encourage me, whether that's by simply listening in, whether that is by leaving a rating or a review, whether it's been by encouraging words sent to me via email or Instagram. I'm always so surprised and thrilled to hear from you and the ways that this podcast has encouraged you. I really don't have words, and I don't want to go on and on about it too much because I'll continue to repeat myself because I just can't believe that Minimalish is where it is right now and that we've reached 2 million downloads. So thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for being here and for listening in. I will keep going as long as you all keep listening Life is crazy right now. I am in the middle of a four-month sleep regression with my baby. She is now three and a half months, but she's definitely started on that sleep regression that can hit anywhere in the time frame of like three to five months. So it's been wild. Life has just been crazy in general. I mean, a four-year-old and a baby and a full-time job plus this podcast, it seems like a lot, but I just keep going because... This is what I love. I love to talk with you here. I love to write out these episodes, the solo episodes that I record. I love talking with guests and bringing you helpful content or encouraging content that that encourages you to keep going too. So thank you for encouraging me to keep going. With all of that said, we are going to do a 2 million download celebratory episode where I bring on my original co-host. And if you have went back all the way and listened to the beginning, then you know that is my husband. We started this podcast as the Minimalist Family Podcast, and that only really lasted a few episodes until we realized that at the time we had like a 10-month-old and there was no way we were going to be able to record a podcast every week. We didn't have regular childcare. Her naps weren't that long. Our house was really small. And if we made noise, she woke up. It just wasn't happening. So I am convincing him to come back on. And we're going to talk about just changes in our perspective of minimalism, kind of minimalism then and now. Let me just tell you, he's definitely more of a minimalist than I am. So 
we want to answer your questions. So it's going to be kind of mostly Q&A style. I have some questions I want to ask him, but I want to bring your questions too. So I am sending out an email. You, If you're listening to this and if you're on the email list, then you would have already gotten it. I'm sending out an email to gather some questions. And I've already gathered some on Instagram. I'll probably gather more there too. So you can submit questions on either place. Um, even if there's not a question box up on Instagram, just let me know that this is a question for the 2 million downloads Q&A. We'll probably record it in the beginning of August, so it will go out sometime in August, and I am very excited about that celebratory episode. I hope you are too, but let's get to today's episode. So today's episode is a guest episode, and we are talking organization. I'm talking with Carly Adams of Tidy Revival, and I just really loved her perspective on organizing because she always starts with the idea of decluttering. We can't organize clutter. So I really love talking to Carly. She has some great ideas. We kind of dive in on organizing the kids stuff and we kind of talk about playrooms a little bit, just kids stuff in general. But we also talk about organization on a more broad level. And another thing I love about Carly's perspective when it comes to decluttering and organizing is it is not one size fits all and it's not all or nothing. It's not all about having less for the sake of less. She really takes a personalized approach and a very grace-filled approach when it comes to our stuff and not needing to get rid of it all to have an organized and uncluttered space. It's okay to have some stuff, but let's find a way to keep only what's most useful and most loved and then organize it in a way that is functional and fits well. Last week on the show, I did talk about decluttering and organizing closets because that's been like my theme of the summer. So this is kind of a fun episode to follow up on that because we're just getting a different perspective on organization and decluttering and also kind of diving into a different specific area of the home. So without further ado, let's get to my conversation with Carly. All right. Well, I am so excited to have you on the podcast today, Carly. Before we really dive into what we're talking about today, which is organization, we're going to talk a little bit about it on a broader sense and also dive into organizing kids stuff. Can you tell our listeners just a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah. Thanks so much for having me, Desiree. I really appreciate it. And I'm excited to um, talk to you too. Um, So I opened doors to Tidy Revival in 2017. And before that, like the kind of origin story of how I got into it is that um, I wasn't an organized person growing up, like by any means. And actually I was pretty chronically disorganized um, in every aspect of my life from time management to clutter around the home, um, my finances, just everything. So The thing was, is that it was causing me a lot of stress and anxiety um, because I couldn't find where things were. I didn't know the status of my bank account. Um, You know, when the mail came and I was getting bills, it was giving me a ton of anxiety because I didn't know, I just didn't know what was going on. And it just kind of got to a breaking point where I realized that things needed to change because how it was progressing, it was just, it was unmanageable and I needed I needed things to have a little more order just so that I could keep sense of them. Um, so I ended up falling down a huge rabbit hole and doing, you know, literally hundreds of hours of research into um, organizational strategies and just different ways that um, I could make tweaks in my everyday life to streamline things. And, you know, some of it worked and some of it didn't, but along the way, when I was implementing the things that were working, things were just getting easier, um, just so much easier in my day-to-day life. And, you know, from things not being overdrawn and me actually having savings for the first time in my life, that wasn't immediately back out the door in a couple of weeks, um, to me being able to get ready for the day very quickly and easily versus having the 45 minute dressing session every single day where I'm like, I don't have anything to wear. Um, just 
everything was changing and everything was becoming more simplified and less complicated. And that was really kind of the thing that clicked for me because I was always nervous that if I had tried to get organized, that things would just become more complicated and they already felt really complicated. Um, but in fact, it felt like everything was just becoming more simplified and easy and streamlined. And it had such a huge effect in my life that it was something that I wanted to share with others. Um, so I ended up, you know, doing projects here and there for friends and family and fell in love with the process. And we moved in 2017 from um, the Bay Area in San Francisco out to Sacramento, where um, I had some family and then my husband's brother moved out this way too. Um, and I knew that when we moved, I wanted to start my own business. So instead of instead of getting a new full-time job, I basically got two part-time jobs and then started this as a side hustle and just grew it from there. And um, now it's what I do full-time and I'm able to help people, which was the main point behind starting Tidy Revival. I wanted to do something where I would be able to help people in a, in a more um, meaningful way in their day-to-day -day life than what I was doing before because I was working as an executive assistant um, in video games, which was a lot of fun but it wasn't like helping my heart on a day-to-day -day basis. So yeah, so that's how things came, came around and, um, and I have fallen in love with it and don't want to look back. I love that you come from this place of knowing what it feels like to be an unorganized person and knowing what it feels like to kind of be drowning in that and that you can use that you know, to help others because you know how they feel. There are people who are just naturally organized and really good at it and they can help others as well. But it's kind of nice when you can really empathize to like, because there, there are, there's like type A, type B and it, it can, it, there can be a disconnect of like, you know, how you can help someone who is truly unorganized if you don't know what that feels like. Does that make yeah. sense? Oh, absolutely. And so I- Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say that um, I was I was really pleasantly surprised to learn once I got into the industry that I feel like it's split for so many people. I've met so many organizers who got into the industry because of the changes that happened in their own life and the joy that they felt from that. There's just as many of us on that end as our naturally organized people who just want to keep, you know, keep doing it and helping other people. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Um, so I, I want to know a little bit more about kind of how did you go from unorganized to organized? I know that's probably like a very long story. So even just like the beginnings of like, what were your first steps? Um, maybe what was like the first thing in your life that you did organize? Um, yeah. Anything you want to share of just how did you, how did you do that? How did you kind of start to bring yourself out of that disorganized state? Yeah, um, definitely. Like I mentioned, it was a lot of research and it kind of became my new hobby. So a couple of things ended up happening at the same time. One of the things that I realized as we were, as I was getting into this organization journey is that um, I realized that my finances were really like out of hand to the point where I needed to make some huge changes. Otherwise I was just going to keep getting more and more in debt versus having savings. And that's what I wanted. And we had decided, um, myself and my husband, although I guess that was a little bit later, but at some point we decided that we wanted to, um, own a house in five years. So we had a five-year plan of owning a house, but at the time that we started, um, I had been getting out of debt, but I still had a really long way to go. And it was student loan debt. Um, I had started with a lot of credit card debt too, and I had no savings. So that's not the best position to go ahead and get a house. In. And so there were a lot of changes that had to be made. So there was a lot of research on that end and then, you know, home organization too, but it helped to be doing those things simultaneously because when you're trying to get out of debt, you end up spending more time than you used to at home. And like 
not spending money. So the thing that kept me motivated with not spending money is like, okay, well, I'll just work on, you know, what's going on here at home. And it kind of, those two things fueled each other. So I remember like I was doing a lot of Pinterest research and reading tons of blog posts and I would get super inspired by um, roundup posts that are like, you know, 99 ways to to save money and um, 99 frugal hacks that you can do at home. Those types of roundup posts were just, I was just pouring over them all the time. I remember um, that I was reading a lot that are like, you know, however many frugal things that you can do at home. And then they'd have the year. And I remember on new year's day, like one of the first things I did, I was like, Oh, there's probably going to be new posts out there. Cause it's a new year. <laughs> like I was like <laughs> dorking out over it. Um, but it kind of became its own, its own hobby for me to be able to be like, okay, how can I pinch pennies? How can I get organized? What can I sell? What can I declutter at home? And realizing as I was getting more into the financial side of things, how much money I was spending on things that didn't really bring any value to my life long-term. Um, and how many, how much money was just going out the door on things that I didn't really use. Um, I realized at one point when I was really getting started with budgeting and things that the, I was spending the most money personally on like, like extra money on Starbucks, Walgreens, and Taco Bell. And those three places were all within walking distance of my office. So I knew exactly like when it was happening and why it was happening. And it was usually out of boredom and you know, the Starbucks, I think we've all been there. Um, (laughs) talk about that's self-explanatory. So delicious. Um, but then the Walgreens was stuff, you know, it was like another lip gloss or another nail polish or another, whatever it is. Um, and these are things that I wasn't necessarily needing or using all the way, you know, um, I don't really paint my nails anymore because well, they chip quickly with clients too. But I also realized over the years that like, I don't actually enjoy doing my nails. It was something that from when I was younger in my mind, I was like, Oh, you know, I'm a, I'm a girly girl, like girly girls do their nails. Like this is a, this is a thing. And over time I was like, actually, this isn't fun for me like at all. And I have all these nail polishes. I'm not even really using them. I don't really enjoy this. And now I have like one nail polish and I'm fine with it. Um, that's not the right choice for everybody, but it is a process of really figuring out what is right for you and maybe not the you that you thought was the you, you were supposed to be, but like, what is truly you, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I think so much of our clutter and, or like poor financial decisions comes from that of just thinking we need to be a certain way or, you know, Uh, I mean, social media is part of it. Now we see all of these products that people, uh, other people are using and think like, oh, I need to be like that for whatever reason. So I totally get that. Um, And I could see how that, you know, having that mindset shift would really change things. I want to take a quick break to thank our sponsors that are helping make this episode possible. I want to thank our sponsor, BetterHelp. How well would you take care of your car if you had to keep the same one your entire life? That's how our brains work, right? We keep the same one our entire life. So why don't we treat them that way? Are there ways that you personally take care of your mind? I know quiet and stillness helps me take care of mine, but it's something that I definitely can also use help with. How we care for our minds affect how we experience life, so it's important to invest time and care into keeping them healthy. There are plenty of ways to support a healthy brain, like learning a new language or taking power naps, but there's also BetterHelp Online Therapy. BetterHelp helped me through anxiety that I was having at the beginning of the pandemic. It's a great way to access therapy in an online format and it's a great way to take care of your mind. BetterHelp is online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat only therapy sessions. So you don't even have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. 
It's much more affordable than in-person therapy. You can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash minimalish. That's betterhelp.com slash minimalish. I also want to thank Haya. Typical children's vitamins can be filled with two teaspoons of sugar, unhealthy chemicals, and other gummy junk growing kids should never eat. And that's why Haya was created. It's the pediatrician-approved, super-powered, chewable vitamin. Haya is made with zero sugar, zero gummy junk, yet it tastes great and is perfect for picky eaters. It fills in the most common gaps in modern children's diet to provide the full-body nourishment our kids need with a yummy taste they love. It's formulated with the help of nutritional experts and is pressed with a blend of 12 organic fruits and veggies, then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals, including vitamin D, B12, C, zinc, folate, and many others to help support immunity, energy, brain function, mood, concentration, teeth, bones, and more. It's designed for kids of all ages and sent straight to your door so parents have one less thing to worry about. And it comes with this reusable bottle and really fun stickers to decorate that reusable bottle that you can just refill with your vitamins each month. My daughter personally loves the reusable bottles and really love decorating it with the stickers to personalize it and make it her own. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You can receive 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, you must go to HayaHealth.com minimal. This deal is not available on their regular website, so go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com minimal and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. All right, let's get back to today's episode. So if we're talking to someone, you know, whenever you're working with someone who wants to become more organized. Um, what do you like, do you typically work with them like to organize their homes or do you work with organization in general, just like finances, everything? Um, so I have done some budgeting for folks, but it's more on request and I don't like offer it as a service. It's not like listed on my website or anything. So it's more organization within the home. And, Basically, when I'm talking to somebody for the first time, whether they're a virtual client, whether it's a student going through my program, or whether it's somebody that I'm working with them in their home, the first thing that we do is really talk about prioritization because organizing as a whole project, number one, can feel really overwhelming because it is overwhelming. You're talking about everything. Um, But two, there's going to be a lot of spaces that maybe aren't necessarily bothering the person whose home it is as much as you might think. Like basically the priorities for the person who lives there could be different than what I might think as I walk into a space because it's not my home and I haven't been there day in, day out. So it's really about figuring out what is the most important thing for the client and what um, would make the biggest impact on their day-to-day life it's really important to start with those spaces because that's going to give you the motivation that you need to keep going in other, other spaces. And if it's more important to, um, that person, it's going to be that much more motivating. So the biggest thing that we, that I always talk with, um, people about is really figuring out the prioritization and starting with, um, that plan when I'm working with students and they're, you know, going through, um, you know, the modules in the program and doing it on their own, the first thing that we do together is create that plan too. And we talk about ways to make sure that that's personalized to their needs versus me saying, okay, first you do the bathroom and then you do the kitchen or whatever the case may be. It's about figuring out what's important to you and then breaking it down into small steps. Um, so, Uh, the example that I always give is like, if your bedroom is really, um, that's the space that's giving you a lot of stress and you want to make a change in there, instead of attacking like the bedroom as one thing, we're going to break it down into smaller chunks. So it could be, you know, the top of your dresser. It could be each drawer could be its own step. Your bedside table could be its own step under the bed. And then in the closet, you can break it down into smaller spaces too. And that way you're able to take 
those smaller chunks and do them in smaller chunks of time too. So while baby's napping or after bedtime or Saturday morning while kiddos are watching a show, you can get through one of these little projects, check it off your list, give yourself a high five, feel motivated to keep on going, but it's not going to be like, okay, you need to block off, you know, the weekend to take care of everything. Instead, we're going to get it into these like teeny tiny chunks so you can make it happen um, at time that's more convenient to actually fit into your life. I love that because I think, you know, when we think of decluttering and organizing, which I know you always say, like the first step is for sure decluttering (laughs) when it comes to organization. And I fully agree with that. But I think a lot of times we do think of it in rooms. Like that's where our mind goes of like, yeah, I want to declutter my whole house, maybe get my whole house organized. But like, first I'm going to start, like you said, in the bathroom, something like that. But yeah, I love that idea of just like, okay, once you're in there, if you, if you need to, you put it into chunks because then you can tackle it, feel accomplished with that one area and then, you know, keep going whenever your next slot of time is. Yeah, absolutely. And it's also, um, kind of lets go of the mindset that you have to take everything out in a whole room in order to go through it all in one chunk, um, which can be really overwhelming in itself and kind of like make things a little bit worse. But if you're taking everything out of a drawer and going through it, or if you're taking everything out of like part of a cabinet, that's a lot more manageable to go through. And then, you know, put back together from there and move on to the next phase or be done for the day, just depending on where you're at and what your time restraints are. So, um, yeah, super, super, super important. Well, I want to talk about a a space, uh, just a singular space, um, in the home because I, I just thought, you know, we can talk about how to organize any room in the home, but I just thought, you know, let's just narrow it down so that we have, a space that we're talking about and maybe those steps could be applied to any other space in the home as well, you know, just with some tweaking. So I was poking around your blog a little bit and I saw one that you talked about um, like kids stuff and kids rooms around Christmas time. And I know when I ever put like a question box out on Instagram of seeing what people want to hear on the podcast, kids stuff is always a huge one. And in my life, it's a huge one too. I know I struggle with um, kids stuff still, it doesn't matter how many times I've decluttered it. So it seems to always multiply (laughs) no matter what. Um, so I just thought, you know, first, if you were working with someone to organize, uh, their kids rooms, um, or kids toys, however you want to do it, um, kids stuff in general, what are some first steps that you would take them through? Yeah, absolutely. And it's not just you, the kid stuff multiplies by itself a hundred percent. It's like, I think that's just, that's just a fact. Um, so the first thing that I do in any space that I'm working in with anybody, but this is really, really, really important with the kid stuff is to go ahead and declutter first. That's going to be like the hill that I will die on declutter first. Um, especially with kiddos playroom stuff, um, and clothes too. It's really, interesting how much stuff you're able to let go of with that purge. Um, the things that you want to look out for, because you might think to yourself like, well, they really play with it. But then when you really get into it, you realize that it's really easy to mix in a lot of, um, like trash in a playroom. There's just going to be random trash. It could be old food wrappers. It could be tiny scraps of paper, um, in with the art stuff that you don't really need. Cause you know, it's the size of quarter and you're going to be fine without it. It could be old um, schoolwork. And it's like, not necessarily the stuff that you want to hold on to. That's more sentimental. Maybe it's more, you know, they're tracing a for the 17,000th time. And you don't need to keep that piece of paper. There's going to be a ton to recycle. There's going to be a ton of little stuff to toss. And then you're also going to want to keep an eye out for um, things that kiddos have outgrown. So even with, um, books. I talk with parents a lot, like, okay, let's go ahead and go through the books. And they're like, well, you know, we don't really want to let go of books because we want our kids reading. Totally fine. I get it. I'm not opposed to books, but as your kiddo gets older, 
there are going to be books that are hidden in the collection that can be thinned out. So maybe cardboard books when the kiddos are more toddler age, you don't necessarily need to keep those. It's also going to be important to you along the way. Um, and I always tell clients, I'm like, I know this is a really intrusive question to ask right off the bat, but where are you guys with kids? Like, are you one and done, two and done, three and done? Do you not know yet? Because that's really going to inform what are we setting aside for um, the next baby? And, and if people are undecided, then it's also worth thinking about how much do you want to set aside um, until you have that decision, decision making. So thinking about where you are with the family planning stages are really important too, because if you think that you're going to expand your family later on, that's fantastic. But also maybe we set that aside for now. It doesn't necessarily need to be in the same playroom. And the goal is to... Um, not, you know, like minimize as much as possible, because I know you're on the same page too. It's not, it's not, you know, like getting into minimalism for the sake of not having things around, but it's removing things to the point where the things that are left are what you use, want, you need, and you love. And if we're taking out the baby stuff because your kiddo is no longer a baby, then that's great. We can set it aside and make decisions about that later on too. So the purge is going to be really, really important. Um, there's also, I can guarantee you, there's going to be broken toys in there. There's going to be toys that your kiddo actually doesn't care about anymore that maybe you can um, donate to a kiddo that needs toys. Um, and then there's also going to be some things in there that maybe kiddo kind of cares about, but really, really, really annoy the parents. And they're like, let's just get them on out of here. They're not going to notice it's time to go. That's fine too. So the purge is going to be important. And I would tell you like nine times out of 10, when we go through a whole playroom, set aside that time and are able to do the purge, what you're left with is usually at least 40% less than when you started at least, but usually it's more like 60%. And again, none of this is me saying like, mm, you sure you want this? Like we should let it go. There's not any pressure in this. It's all decision-making of the parents. But by the time somebody um, calls me and I'm coming in to help them with it, like they are done with the room and there's so much that they want to let go of. And so, yeah, usually, usually it's around 60% that we've reduced the stuff by. So after that, it's so much easier to create solutions. And one big thing about kid stuff, um, specifically toys that I also feel like it's really important to talk about is to create age appropriate organizational systems so that the kids can be the ones to help you as much as possible versus parents having to do everything. So the way that I always explain it to folks is to create systems around what you want to have happen when you say, Hey kids, you got five minutes to dinner. I need you guys to clean this all up and go ahead and wash your hands. What do you want to happen in that moment? Because in that moment, you're busy cooking dinner and making sure that that's getting ready. What you need is kids to be able to put things away. And at a certain age, when they're a lot younger, it's going to make a lot more sense for you to have very simple systems, maybe a couple of toy bins that they can just kind of put everything into versus separating out like every single little system. When they get a little bit older, they can help separate it too. Um, but keeping the, the sorting to a minimum when they're younger is super, super important so that mom doesn't have to come back through and then take everything out and then resort it and hope that it like stays, you know, pristine the next day. I say that there's, there's just a lot when kids are young where you just kind of got to let it go and not worry about everything being perfectly sorted because that's going to be the thing that takes away from your time later on. I think that's the thing that I struggle with the most right now is like, there's, I have a four-year-old, so she's still just, when she goes and cleans her room, it's not what I would do when I went and cleaned her room, you know? So there are, there's a certain amount of, a certain amount of sorting that she can do. Um, but yeah, I can't expect perfection in that way. I can't expect it to look like the, you know, this perfectly sorted 
playroom area or her, her toys are mostly in her room. Cause we don't really have a playroom, but, um, but yeah, so I love that. I, I love the idea of thinking through what would you, what would your kids be able to do? What would make your life easier, <laughs> um, as, as the parent to kind of create that organizational system. Something I also saw you recently talk about, which is also something that I hear a lot. Um, and you kind of touched on it of just the idea of, you know, what do you do with the kids stuff when you're done with it? What do you do with the baby stuff? Um, if you're possibly having an, another kid, but a little bit different, um, when it comes to sentimental items, cause we're obviously sentimental about our kids, right? We, um, a lot of times it's hard to not want to keep every single little thing. Um, but what, what's kind of a system we can use for that? Um, and also what, you know, what are some of your, I guess, encouragements when it comes down to sometimes, you know, how do we pick what is actually a sentimental item versus something that we just need to let go of? Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Um, love talking about sentimental items. And I think it's really important to start when kids are young, because like you said, there are going to be items that you do want to keep from when they're a baby, like the little hospital bracelet around their teeny tiny little wrist, um, their first pair of shoes, the onesie that they came home from the hospital. And those are things that I see, um, kept a lot. And if you don't have a spot for them, then they just kind of become like things that are kept in random places where you wouldn't be able to find them easily if you did want to go back and, and be sentimental up about it. And they're kind of taking up spots randomly in a room that should be really more for like the everyday items that you're going to use. So I'm a big fan of creating sentimental bins for, um, kiddos, um, as young as when they're babies, because the sentimental items start then. So there's a couple of different, um, things that I do. Number one, I'm a big fan of having filing systems just in general. And I think um, when your kiddo is young, that's a really great time to be able to start a couple of files for kids. So um, a medical file so that it's just a little bit separate and you can find what you need for medical items um, pretty quickly. Um, one that's just sentimental. And then as they get into school, then you can start school age stuff. And if you, I, it depends on how much you want to keep. And it depends on how thorough a filing you want to do. If it's not like a file per grade, I'm not mad at it, especially if it depends on, you know, how much you're keeping too. If it's just a school file and you just want to plop things in there easily. Also totally fine. Remember, and this is a very important thing to, to remember along the way is that the degree to which you want to like keep things organized and like subcategorized is completely up to you. If you have a folder that says school and you plop things into it for 12 years, like you're fine. If you want to have a little, a file per grade and you want to have it more, you know, granularly organized also fine. That is completely up to you. And there's no right or wrong way to do it. Um, and then I also like to have a bin for like physical items. If you wanted, um, a couple bins along the way, like one for smaller and one for slightly like larger, bulkier items. Also fine. If you end up keeping, um, enough clothes to fill up its own bin and you, you know, have just a bin of clothes all also fine. The biggest thing to keep in mind when you are dealing with sentimental items for kiddos is to remember the end goal. So this is really important especially because if you have multiple kids, you need to think about how much stuff you're going to be willing to hold on to until they're in likely their grown-up house. So we all know, you know, if you move away to college, there's a good chance you're not going to be taking everything with you to college in that moment. There's probably going to be a couple of years in between when you move out and when you have like a more adult space where the kids are like, oh, okay, I'm ready to take all my things. So in those years, what are you as a parent willing to store? How much are you willing to store? And I know it feels really weird to think about that when kiddos are like two, three, four, but the reason it's so important is so that you can set expectations as they get older. And those expectations can be the same for each kid. So that the rules aren't different for Johnny, who's the oldest and Mindy, who's the youngest. Um, if you have five kids and they each get 
five boxes, that's 25 boxes that you're going to be holding on to. If you have two kids and they each have four bins, that's going to be eight bins that you're holding on to. So think about how much space you're willing to use in your home for that storage time. Cause it will be important later on down the line when they get older. So that's something that is just really important to think about. And the reason that we start thinking about that early too, is so along the way you can say to, you know, Hey, Billy, I know you really want to keep that. And that's totally fine. And here's your sentimental bin. But if we always say to our kids like, yeah, you want to keep it sentimental. That's great. Here you go. Here's a bin. Then there's no end goal. And we need to teach our kiddos about the end goal. And we need to teach them about spatial limitations so that in their own lives, as they're adults, they're also thinking about that, that space isn't limited, that things are always going to come in and that we do need to make decisions about it. So if you say to Billy, like, yeah, Billy, you can absolutely keep this, but just so you know, like all in all, we're going to get four storage bins. So when the four storage bins are full, then you need to go through and decide what stays and what goes. And then you're training your kids space is limited and we don't have infinite amounts of space and we do need to make decisions along the way. And yeah, it is hard, but this is, this, these are life skills that are going to serve our kids well, their entire lives. And so when you're able to start them young, as far as that decision-making process, and as far as knowing that there's not infinite space to be had, it's going to be more helpful, um, for them in the long run. So, so yeah, so I'm a big proponent of sentimental items. I'm a big proponent in having your kids also, um, kind of decide what's important and what's not, um, but being really open and communicative about, the space limitations so that everybody in the household can be on the same page with that. And that the kids can help make that the decision-making process as they're getting older. Yeah. So good. I, I love the idea of space limitations for pretty much any time you're decluttering anything really. But when it comes to those sentimental items, it's just, you know, thinking about how often am I going to look back on this specific thing like how much does it matter that I want it to be taking up space, you know, in my home? Like how, how much space are you? Cause yeah, for the kids, like eventually if it's going to go to them, they're going to have to go through all of it and then it's going to take up space in their home. So yeah, there's so much to think about with that. And I just think that space limitation is the first and easiest step way to think to like prioritize what you keep and what not, because, you know, okay, if I have one bin, then I'm going to keep the most important things only. Right. Yeah. And it's also important to think like, has, how did you feel when you got all of your things from your parents? Did it feel stressful and overwhelming? Did it feel like it was way too much stuff? Did it feel like it was, um, just enough? Um, I've definitely worked with folks where, you know, it, it, I remember a session, it was in the same like 30 minute span where they'd received a lot of things from their parents and that felt very stressful. But then we were also hold, talking about items that they were holding on for their kids and that they were excited about it. And I said, let's do just like a little pause right now. And let's think about, I like, I completely understand wanting to save some things for your kids, but you know, you felt really stressful. You really felt really stressed out, you know, less than 30 minutes ago when you got all of this stuff that was from your childhood, that things were, people were holding on for you and you weren't excited to receive them. So you kind of got to think about how, how much stuff is going to be too much stuff on the receiving end in the future too. Um, and that can help you call down baby clothes. Yeah. I think that's a good reframe to make too, of just the idea of thinking of anytime our parents are giving us like old stuff of ours, how do we feel about that? Cause I know for many people, you know, you might want to look through it once if it's stuff from when you're a kid and then you're probably thinking like, I'm going to throw it away. <laughs> Cause I, at least that's how I feel. Like even like old yearbooks from elementary school and stuff. I'm like, uh, I don't really know if I want this to take up space in my home. So yeah. Yeah. I, um, I went through and I shredded all my old, uh, journals and like my old poetry books. And I 
remember telling somebody about it and they were like, oh my gosh, like, don't you want to look back on that? I was like, no, this is all horrific and completely mortifying. And to be honest, I don't want anyone to read that at all. So what's the, what's the end game here? I pass away and other people read all of this, like really embarrassing stuff. Like, no, thank you. We're done here. This is, it was just cathartic. Now we're just going to shred it and just move on with our lives. <laughs> yep. Yep. There is something to be said about letting go of those kind of things. That's what yeah. Um, well, this has been such a good conversation. I, uh, no, I feel I need to get a better system in place for my sentimental stuff. I don't keep that much, but, um, but this has definitely helped me think, think over how, how I want to put a system in place for that, especially now that I have two kids. So I really need to get that organized. It's not just one kid I'm throwing stuff into an open bin for now with no organization whatsoever, which is what my system has been. (laughs) Um, But I have two questions that I like to ask any guests before we leave. Um, So the first one is, what is one way that you choose intention in your everyday life? Um, So I used to be a total impulse shopper. I told you about the whole Walgreens, Starbucks, talk about realization. Um, So something that I try and do now is to pause before I shop. So like there'll be you know, a pair of shoes that I want, instead of just like getting it, I'm thinking about it. I'm pausing, I'm letting it ruminate. And so I'm not just buying things, you know, for the, the serotonin that you get from that, that purchase. Is that the right? I think that's right. Hold on. But anyway, I'm going to pause. I think so. I think that's right. <laughs> but yeah, just not, not buying things for just the little emotional boost. Instead, trying to be more thoughtful about what I'm bringing into my home and am I wanting this because of like the shopping happiness or am I wanting this because this is going to actually bring value to my life? Um, There are so many things that I kind of, I'm looking up online. I'm like getting really excited about, I give it a couple days and I actually don't care at all anymore. Um, So that really helps me with decluttering on the back end because I'm being more thoughtful about what's coming in on the front end. Um, That was a really big shift for me to remember that there's a lot here in my home already that's really usable, that I already like, that works just fine, and that I don't need to have, you know, 15 of everything. I don't need to have and, and everybody's a little bit different. And depending on like what your hobbies are and what you find a lot of joy in, what works for me as far as enough might not be enough for you. And that's also fine, but figuring out what the right number of different categories of things is for you is really important so that you can kind of, um, like we were talking about before, have the limitations around it. Um, because more is more doesn't necessarily equal more happiness. A lot of times with things in our homes, they can equal more stress. And that's, that's what I found to be true for me. So, um, yeah, thoughtful shopping is probably the biggest, the biggest way that I'm choosing attention. It's so important. And I know it's something that, um, I've struggled with in the past as well. So definitely relatable as well. Um, my second question is just for fun, but what is something that you're loving right now? Um, my dog Gimli, he is newer to our family. I think he's been here for like three months now. Um, and he is just a big goofball and is making me really, really happy. Um, we had another dog for like five years and he passed away a year and a half ago. And it was really, it was really hard. Cause that was our first like pet as an adult. That was our first um, pet together. And he, you know, was our, he was basically our baby. And so when he, when he was gone, it was really, really, really difficult and took a long time to feel ready to like bring somebody new into the family again. Um, and now that Gimli's here, I'm, I'm so happy that he is. And he's just been like a little ball of joy and he's just, he's hilarious and he drools all over the place. So everything is just like covered in drool, like Beethoven, the movie. Um, and 
yeah, he's the best and I love him so much. So when you, when you sent that question, I was like, oh, it's Gimli. So hundred percent Gimli. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. Um, gotta love dogs and all the joy they bring us. Totally. Well, thank you so much again for this conversation. Um, I am so excited to share it. I know that it's going to encourage so many people to get to uh, organizing their home. Thank you so much for having me, Desiree. It was really good to see you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you listen in each week, you know I love to kind of add a challenge here at the end of the episode, especially with guest episodes, to just add an application point. So take it or leave it. Hopefully you found something in this episode that you can use and apply in your life. My personal favorite takeaway from this episode is the idea of creating organization methods that your kids can actually follow when it comes to like playrooms and other areas that I guess house your kids stuff. So for me, that is my challenge is to look at the storage solutions that I have for my daughter, my four-year-old specifically, her toys. Are they organized in a way that she can keep up with? Because at this point, she can't really keep up with complex organizational systems, but I do not want to always have to put away every single thing the way that I think it should be. There's got to be some kind of system that she can keep up with. Might not look perfect for me, but that is, that's my challenge to myself this week. That's my challenge to you this week as well if you have kids. And if you don't, I think that this can apply to us in general and our homes in general. Are we trying to organize our homes in a way that does not fit us and does not fit something that we can personally keep up with. How can we choose better systems that make sense for us, that are realistic, that we can actually keep up with? That is all for today's episode. And if you did love it, I would love it if you'd share it with a friend or share it on social media, however you like to share things. I am super grateful for you every time you do that. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening in and being here. And I will, as always, talk to you right back here next week on the next episode.